This Church Life Today podcast is a production of Redeemer Radio and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners. The whole idea of social media is to make us more social, to connect us, to bring us together. But do our experiences of social media tell us that's what's happening? Do we perhaps feel that they're actually instruments of isolation and division? Or on the other hand, could social media really become a means of communion? That's what we're going to talk about. This is Church Life Today, a production of the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame. I'm Leonard DiLorenzo, and my guest today is Father Harrison Eyre, pastor of Holy Family Notre Dame Church in British Columbia, who is also the co-host of the wildly popular podcast, Clerically Speaking. Father Harrison recently participated in a panel discussion on the topic of friendship, communion, and social media. So I follow up on and expand of some of what was talked about there with him and all of you here. Father Harrison, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. So you're visiting our fair campus here in northern Indiana to participate in a panel that was on this topic. It was called Friendship in a Digital Age, Social Media as a Means to Communion. Mm-hmm. Now, let's just start with that title because I think <laughs> I think some folks might raise an eyebrow at yeah. that, right? Like yeah. social media as a means to communion. Yeah. Is that really possible? Why is it worth exploring? I can see why people would be hesitant about it. I think I remember reading a couple of weeks ago how Twitter, for example – it likes to put the more aggressive or those tweets that that can create division. Yeah. Those tend to get more likes and retweets than things that build people up. Yeah. So you can see how how is that possible then when that's like the operating way for Twitter or something like that. But I think absolutely because I've experienced it in my own life how it's built communion amongst brother priests mm. with religious and with laity. So many amazing encounters have happened in my life just because of Twitter. Hmm. which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> but I think it's it's like one of the points we were trying to make on our panel was this idea that it's a means. It's not the principle of communion. It's a means to communion. So often when you start to develop a friendship online, you want to meet the person in real life, right? Hmm. IRL, as we like to say. IRL. Uh, IRL, right? Yeah, IRL. I don't think I ever knew yeah. that. <laughs> I'm becoming hipper by the moment. This is fantastic. So yeah, so but this is the idea. It's like you want to see the person's face. You want... Uh-huh to encounter them in the body. Like there's this embodiedness that's always a necessary element of friendship mm-hmm. in a way, but absolutely can be. Like uh, Sister Teresa actually made a great point yesterday how, uh, the, I forget the, name, the priest's name, but that priest who was writing was St. Therese of Lisieux. Mm-hmm. They never met ever, mm-hmm. but they had a deep friendship through letters. Mm-hmm. And if that's possible through letters, why can't that be possible through social media as well, right? So uh, it's absolutely, it's, is it perfect? Absolutely not. But it is absolutely a means, I think, for communion. I've just seen too many good fruits yeah. for it not to be true. In fact, our meeting. Yeah, we've exactly. known each other through Twitter, but yeah. we've never met in exactly. person. Exactly. Here this is the first are. time. Exactly. Meeting in person yeah, face-to-face. with other people listening. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. So, thanks, for joining. Exactly. thanks, everybody, <laughs> nope. for joining our face-to-face meeting here. Let's just talk about Twitter here for a yeah, moment yeah. because, as you brought up already, on Twitter, it's much more promoted are these divisive mm-hmm. type messages or voices. And mm-hmm. I think we see that, like, especially Twitter kind of traffics in polarized or polarizing speech. Right. And even the way in which those of us who might be on Twitter listen or read, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's in a sort of polarizing way. We're looking to critique right. um, and to very quickly judge, well, you're this type of person, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Because you've said this, so now I've got you. Right. If that's kind of the landscape, especially in a place like Twitter, mm-hmm. 
I don't know, like what kind of habits, dispositions, mm. virtues do you think mm. have to be practiced there, maybe even practiced in advance in order to push against that? It's funny. I, when Sister Teresa was saying what she does before she goes on Twitter. This like, is wow, Sister Teresa. Yeah. Right, yeah. I'm like, wow, she's holier than I am. <laughs> so <laughs> she has practices before she yeah, goes she on Twitter. Yeah, she says the St. Michael prayer every time before she goes on Twitter. That's fantastic. And I'm like, that's that's a good idea. I'm gonna we say that at the, end of the, at the end of Mass at our yeah. parish, but yeah, before you go well, on Twitter. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, but so I think like th- just that, that element of prayer. One thing I try to do, especially if someone's maybe tweeted back at me something that's aggressive or annoying or trying to raise my ire, it, it's just reflect for a moment. Hmm. Is this going to is this for the good of the other? Hmm. Is this for my good? Is this for the common good? <laughs> These are good questions to often ask yourself. And I've or even sometimes like the virtue of recognizing when you've made a mistake. And publicly acknowledging it on Twitter is an important. I think. I think there's that that sense of like, if you're really authentic online, you're going to probably make mistakes because you're a sinner. So <laughs> I'm a sinner, right? I will make mistakes. I can get too snappy, too judgmental, right? And so I think there's that times with do I guys? I'm sorry. I deleted the tweet. I was too judgmental there, uh-huh. and I'm really sorry. And that's like that's a good habit, you know, to recognize I've made a fault and I ask for mercy is a great Christian habit to form even online. That's why it's like that's the social element of this form of media, right? It's we're engaging in a bond together. So you're going to make mistakes. You're going to hurt sometimes, even others. But then to acknowledge, OK, I did it wrong is a good thing to do. I think this is like something we were talking about yesterday. We're starting to realize these are questions that are just starting to get asked. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like it's something we need to start asking more and more because social media is probably not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. It, the modes will change, but it, it is a form of communication. It's not, it's, it's not going anywhere. I was actually just reflecting this morning. Like, it's it's got to be something like when the telephone was introduced, such a such a, a landscape-changing form of communication. Right. right. So how we handle that and how that forms virtue is just something I think we're just starting to start because we're seeing that divisive stuff. Okay, what's a Christian way of, of doing this? Mm. Um, prayer, reflection, asking if this is for the common good is a good place to start at least. I like that very much. <laughs> so there are possibilities for dialogue mm-hmm. uh, through social media. What are the, what would you say are the inherent limits of dialogue here? I think the limits, sometimes those limits can be towards like, you lose this person's tone, for example. Absolutely. You can't you can't communicate tone through writing, or right. it's very hard. To, you have to be a very good writer to communicate tone. Um, and you can do that more in a letter where right. you have more time, and especially if it's in your own handwriting and things like that. But exactly. let's say on Twitter where you're well, you can't even do like italics or anything. Like you have to right. almost do scare quotes or something like that to just help people <laughs> know, like, I'm, or put it in caps to say, like, I'm being sarcastic here yeah. or whatever. There are those small ways to try to, to imitate tone, but I, I think that's the limit. Um, I think... The other limit, and it's just, again, this is where virtue is going to have to try and take a step forward for us, too, as how we practice online. The limit is that inst- that almost need to just instantly respond. Yeah. That does actually limit discourse because instead of actually entering into dialogue, it's I want to own that person. Mm. I want to get the best of them. And that is that is a definite limit that doesn't help anyone, right? Uh, so, again, the thing you always lack like through a letter or anything is that face-to-face contact where it's not just – what you're saying or even how you're saying it. It's the hand gestures. Mm. It's the facial expressions. It's the eye contact. The the more direct we are as human beings, the more we can communicate. It's not just the words. It's not just the sound. It's everything. We mm. communicate with everything. So are we really there in this digital space? You know, so mm-hmm. our bodies aren't there. Right. Our faces, I mean, there may be an image, maybe right. sometimes a video, but like our actual face, the one right. face we have, our eyes aren't there. Right. The tone of our voice isn't there. 
so what's there and what's not there? So this is this is a very interesting question for me because this is something I actually I just started reflecting on yesterday. I was in okay. prayer before the talk. I'm like, oh my gosh, we, we treat social media as extension. So the whole idea of extension is this idea from like Descartes where the idea is like the body is really just an extension. It's an expression of who we really are. Mm. Which is something we really operate in today, right? Like, so who we really are somewhere else hidden, unseen, and the, exactly. and the body just makes it visible. Right. 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 Okay. So that's why this, like, the body is really a big thing with like self-expression now, right? Yeah. Like there's a reason, for example, like tattoos are such a huge thing nowadays, right. right? This is part of that. It's not saying they're bad. It's just, this is kind of the world we live in. Right. So that's how we treat social media. Mm. But this is not the Christian view of the human person. Mm-hmm. The, the body is not extension. It's integral to who we are. Right. You need your body and your soul need each other to be truly human, right? right? This is why death is such an unnatural thing for us because we see suddenly the soul's not there. Mm-hmm. This is not natural. So I think there is an embodiedness if we can start to, and I'm still not sure exactly what where this is going, but I think there is an embodied way to even deal with social media. Because if you start to treat, even how you act, you real, realize my body is not extension, it's actually gift. I've been gifted into existence by God. Hmm. If I understand that and realize that, and I understand that that's like the baseline for every human person, then the person I'm dealing with, even through a screen, is a human person. Mm-hmm. Which means I owe them a dignity and a respect and a desire for God's mercy for them, even if they're trolling me. Like, I've had that happen where people are trolling me. And I'm like, I'm they're pray. looking for you to, to slip up. And or, or or they're attacking something I right. said and they're getting all their friends to go after you, yeah. right? And so I will, I remember like a few weeks ago that happened to me. I'm like, okay, Lord, I desire their mercy too. Mm-hmm. You gotta pray for your enemies, right? But that's, I think that is the embodied element of it all where you realize, even though it's not seen the body directly, if we start seeing social media as an expression of our embodiedness as human beings, then it actually moves away from it as an extension and, and, and not even seen as a tool, which is a, how we often see media, but it's actually what Pope Benedict calls, it's like the new agora, right? It's this new public square mm. where people are really interacting with each other and mm-hmm. that's a real interaction of persons. Very good. You're listening to Church Life Today and Redeemer Radio. We are talking with Father Harrison Eyre, pastor of Holy Family Notre Dame Parish in British Columbia and co-host of the popular podcast, Clerically Speaking. This makes me think about one of my biggest pet peeves. Mm-hmm. So part of this is therapy. Like, <laughs> is, I, I, get to just, I get to talk about some things here. But uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is like unawareness of like the space we take up in public. So mm-hmm. people are standing in a doorway. Mm-hmm. It's like, please please get out of the doorway, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like we have to come through or yeah. not knowing, you know, what their walking, body's doing. Yeah, walking down airports on their phone as Don't you're trying to walk, run to the plane. I right? intentionally <laughs> walk into people like that. I'm like, if you're not looking, I'm going to run into you. Okay, but that's just me, folks. So, but that's making me think about what you're talking about here, the kind of awareness of our bodyliness, our presence. And if we started to think about that in digital space, it means an increased sense of responsibility right. for what I put out there yeah. and the effect of it, which right. is how we actually would think about our bodies in space. Mm-hmm. Like if I bump into you, I say, I'm excuse me, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's like in the digital space, we've, we have conceded that we're perhaps not responsible in that same way. Right. So recovering that kind of responsibility is part of our embodiedness. Is that sound right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, and you've already given us some practices, at least yeah. to think about for yeah. doing that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, like recollecting praying beforehand yeah. to call awareness right. to this, especially with, let's say, with young people yeah. who this will be, for many of them, uh, a native environment. Right. What responsibilities do we have, do you think, in terms of formation of people for this kind of 
digital communal right. existence. Well, I think it's about realizing like our actions are in a way always an incarnational event, hmm. right? It bears the imprint of our personhood, yeah. right? When I when I send a gift to someone or or I'm I'm responding with words, but no matter what, action bears the imprint of our personhood. Right. So if that's the case, then what I'm even it's about recognizing this idea that what you're doing is not self-expression. It's actually personal action. Right. That it is yourself putting yourself out there as a person engaging with other persons. And I mean, it's really taking kind of that idea of like um, do unto others as you would have be done unto you is is a very important point. Although obviously some people don't even care about that or they will say, well, I don't care what people do to me, so I'm going to do whatever to them. But at least from the Christian perspective, this idea is really is about this recognizing that even though I don't see the face directly, it does take a bit more intentionality. But say the person who I'm responding to or subtweeting or whatever is a person mm-hmm. that has God's that has the imprint of God on them, is made in God's image, and therefore has a dignity equal to myself, even if they're not treating me with the same dignity. That is a person, and so my actions are going to affect them. Like there have been times where people tweet at me, and I'm like, I'm hurt or whatever. Right. That that is. That is that is a person-to-person contact that hurts just as much as if those words are spoken directly to me. Our actions bear the imprint of our personhood, and if we can start to just, and that's how I mean, I think that's that is just basic human formation, mm-hmm. right? When a, when a kid's beating up, you know, like they they kind of play fighting with their siblings and they're hurting them, mom and dad say like, you realize this is what you're doing. That's just basic human formation. It's the same thing when you say these words, when you do these certain actions, you're hurting them. That basic human formation ought to come out into social media. The problem becomes obviously that a lot of people who use it haven't received that basic formation. And then when the community of Twitter or whatever, or Snapchat or whatever starts to say, hey, this isn't normal, mm-hmm. they don't know how to receive that because they've never been formed humanly on this. So it, 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 they just snap back harder or whatever. Right. right? So, yeah. You know, something I was thinking about since you're, you're a pastor, yeah. right? So you are committed to and responsible for an embodied Christian community Absolutely. of the faithful. Yeah. And you're also active in media mm-hmm. and a lot of time digital media, social mm-hmm. media, um, your podcast, etc. Do you, I don't know, have you found a tension between those two? Are they complementary? They, they can't, I th- for me, they are. Part of complimentary. Yeah, complimentary, yeah. sorry, yeah. Because um, part of it is my, my, my parish, <laughs> half my parishioners, if they own a computer, barely use it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a very old parish, so okay. which is fine, and I love yeah. my people. Yeah. But... So they're not listening. They don't. Yeah, they're not listening right <laughs> so now. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, they're not yeah. listening. But like, yeah, I, I've tried to help them find my podcast, and I just they, <laughs> like, what's a link? <laughs> yeah, fine. Uh, but um, here, I'll send it to you on a scroll. Exactly. Will that help exactly. You? Exactly. Here's a cassette tape. Uh, <laughs> so I, but I haven't. I've actually been. I mean, there was a tension for a little bit, and then it was through that tension I learned. Okay, I've been on Twitter too much, and so there have been times where I was like, yeah, I, I've neglected my duties. Hmm. But I've gotten to, I think I've gotten to that healthy space of ensuring that what I do online, it's done in my spirit. Like like the last few weeks, I've been busy preparing for this and other things. I haven't been on Twitter much because I haven't had time to. Do and you feel guilt about that? Nope. Yeah. Nope. You get to a point where you're just like, nope, this is, and because this is a place of community, yes, but community is when you often, you know, you have free time for that, but you have your primary responsibilities. And my primary responsibility is always as a diocesan priest uh, towards my parish and my diocesan responsibilities. So I just make sure that I, I, I'm i there for my people. Mm-hmm. And these are things I, like, you know, maybe in the morning, 
if I have a bit of time in the afternoon, I'll check in. The podcast, we've gotten really good about scheduling it out every two weeks so that it doesn't interfere with too much with parish life. Mm-hmm. And it, these are hobbies in a way too, right? So, uh, it's, and it's something life-giving. In fact, I find that Twitter's been something very life-giving for me because I'm in a bit more of an isolated place, a bit of an older parish. Nearest priest is 55 years old and he's an hour away. Hmm. So you don't get that priestly community. Like the nearest priest it's is an, an hour, hour away. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... I don't get that. So that's been a beautiful thing about Twitter is this community of priests that we, I, this, this group of, I just had breakfast with two of them this morning, right? We that just, you principally met through Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Father Anthony, who I co-host my podcast with, we met through Twitter. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's in the podcast has been huge and yeah. it's been partially a lot due to Twitter. And we've hung out three or four times this year now. And it's great. And it's this, and we call each other and we DM each other and text each other to see how things are going or mm-hmm. a frustration we're having. I have that community in my diocese if I want it, but I have to drive out quite a ways to go get it. Right. So having that has been a real blessing for me. It's really encouraged me to to be able to stay, you know, to do what I need to do in my parish. Fantastic. Yeah. You're listening to Church Life Today and Redeemer Radio. We are talking with Father Harrison Ayer, pastor of Holy Family Notre Dame Parish in British Columbia and co-host of the pos- popular podcast, Clerically Speaking. Let's talk about clerically speaking sure. a little bit yeah. then. So you yeah. mentioned you host this with Father Anthony yeah. of the Diocese of Pittsburgh. That's correct? right. Yes. Um, how did this come about? Like, what was the yeah. what was the point at which you're like, so one that, of you was like, well, let, let's do a podcast. Yeah, so about a year and a half ago, Father Anthony and I were both reading Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Okay. And we both had some... Because that's your first episode. That was our first episode, yeah. yeah. We had some critiques. Yeah. Where he's like, he was kind of getting into podcasting. He's like, we should do like a standalone podcast episode about this and just put it out there. I said, Father Anthony, I, I think we have a large enough following now that people are going to want more. Mm-hmm. So that's where it started. We we're like, well, we're going to do this for our first so episode. So you'd already been active on Twitter yeah. and whatnot and yeah. engaging with people. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. So then we're like, okay, we're going to do this. Fine. What should this look like? And so we started kind of. We like there's a guy on Twitter, Tommy Ty, who used to have a podcast called The Chimney, where he talked about what was popular on Twitter for the week. Yeah. So that kind of gave us the idea for the Summa Tweetologica se- session. Three tweets that have been yeah. yeah. Talk about tweets, that, and it, it, it engages your audience yeah, too, right? Because yeah, yeah. you're reading tweets from people, and people like to have their stuff read on the podcast. Yeah. I, yeah. One of my tweets once was read. And yeah. I was like, hey, hey, That's hey yes, I, I, I exist. <laughs> exactly. I made it. I made, I made it. it. <laughs> right. And then we have, and then so yeah, the format is banter, a little bit about what's going on in our life. Uh, the the summa, and then um, and then uh, a topic of some sorts. Either mm-hmm. we're talking about a movie or a book, or we'll have some guests on and stuff like this. So it, it kind of just that's how it grew, and we've been kind of overwhelmed by its popularity. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of took off, and we're just like it's still kind of surreal to us. Like we're here because of this podcast. Because Jeff Pajanowski, who teaches here at Notre Dame, he's like, well, he started talking to me, and he's like, wait, no, no, you guys should do a panel. You should get Father Anthony to come out because I love your uh-huh. podcast. I'm like, we're here because of the podcast, and it's just weird and awesome, and God is good. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been a fun – and I, I think, too, what people like about it is we really try hard to tear back the veil a little bit about what priesthood life is like. Mm-hmm. You get a sense of this is what my week's been. This has been the hardships. This has been you can't reveal everything, obviously, right, but right, right, right. you get a little sense of of the humanity of a priest, yeah. right? Or Father Anthony talking about playing Fortnite or whatever. Like you just get these. We're human beings who like to do human things, and we have up days in a parish life, and we have down days, and you get that sense of. And I think he and I have a good rapport. You do, now. yeah. It's real yeah. natural. I mean, one of the things I love about the podcast <clears throat> is well, it's just like normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like there's enough enough stuff out there it's just not normal it's like right. speech that's too manufactured yeah. it's it's either too uh, patronizing yeah. or 
pontificating yeah. or it's just dull or whatever. Yeah. This is like normal. As you said, like banter is part of it. Yeah. Like it, there's a good lightheartedness to it, but yeah. almost seamlessly. Well, I would say seamlessly you go into talking about things of substance that are, that are, I find given over in a way that's inviting. Awesome. Who do you, who are you speaking? Like, who do you want to be speaking to? <laughs> I know you just started speaking and people tuned in, but yeah. like, who do you want to be speaking to here? This is a good question. This is a question we haven't quite, f- we just kind of started yeah. doing it, right? We do find we get a, we do get a large college listening base. Like okay. it's actually been funny walking around the campus. Oh, hey, you guys are Father Harrison, Father Anthony. Like, can we, can we get a photo? I'm like, it's, it's, that's weird. It's weird. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, weird. But so you get a lot of college students uh-huh. are really into it. You um, see my Twitter feed? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Twitter, like Twitter's yeah. been a big part of that. Um, and then, but we've been finding people I think what's been interesting is, in a way, I think the way we approach the podcast, it really is a, a podcast that's available for all age ranges. Yeah, I know some parents who listen to it with some of their like preteen kids, uh, their older preteen kids in the car ride every Friday or something like that. Or we have older people like um, in their fifties and sixties who fell on the podcast or whatever, and and everything in between, and and people who are looking around on podcasts on like our, one of our more popular podcasts was one on discernment. It was one of our early episodes, right. and um, we've had a lot of people discover the podcast through that because they're just searching around podcasts on Catholic discernment or whatever, and it pops right. up. Right. It's been really helpful for them right. on discernment. So you, we've been getting a little bit of everything, which is, I think, a good thing. And it, I think the reason we can do that is because we're both parish priests, so we're used to just ministering to everyone. Ah. That's a really lovely insight, actually. Like, this is what a parish priest is. It's, yeah. it's ministry to everyone. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, the parish is where life happens. And yeah. So you have, you're in touch with all of life. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The parish is not often uh, thought of so fondly. And this isn't, <laughs> this isn't just a fond way to think of a parish, but right. where else in our modern lives does everything come together? Right. Like, does yeah. ever is everyone next to each other? Right. Um, the people who don't like each other are sitting next to each other in a pew sometimes, right? And they're forced to... Looking yeah. the same way. Yeah, exactly. To receive the same thing. Yeah, exactly. The same person, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. thought there. Now, I think we're coming towards the end, but I just wanted to bring this up too. In addition to all these other things that you're mentioning, like being a pastor... Yeah. Um, having this media presence, producing a podcast. You're also pursuing doctoral studies uh, in theological anthropology, which yeah. is not unrelated to some of the things that we we're talking right. about here. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you're doing, what you're interested in? Yeah, just um, I, I'm doing it through the Maryvale Institute mm-hmm. in Birmingham, which is awesome. It was founded by St. John Henry Newman, which is yeah. so cool. Uh, and uh, I wanted to do theological anthropology just because I think what it means to be human is such a vital question today. Yeah. Uh, John Paul II obviously was huge in this. Um, yeah. But like things around gender ideology, same-sex attraction, all these like different and difficult topics about what it means to be human are vital to be talked about. So um, I'm looking into Joseph Ratzinger's sacramental vision of the human person, to put mm. it in non-academic speak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's not a lot done. Actually, I haven't really found a whole lot done on his anthropology. Hmm. Uh, he's done a lot on liturgy, obviously. He's right. done a lot on the church, uh, Christology, biblical scholarship. But as I've been reading him a lot the last couple of years, uh, I was like, whoa, there's a deep theme about what it means to be human. And I would just argue that his idea of what it means to be human is that we're fundamentally sacramental beings at our core. Can you, I, I know it's always dangerous to uh, <laughs> follow up on questions about 
uh, scholarly interest yeah. with a doctoral candidate because you you push a little too far and all of a sudden you're like well, well never mind let's put it back in the box. Um, but can you kind of like can you give us a little bit about this this sacramental vision of the human person like what what does this seem to me I know you're yeah. you're studying it right so I like, just started right so what does it seem to mean in Ratzinger Pope Benedict's uh, I'll give you this uh, it's a paraphrase from his book on the Petrine ministry. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the the apostles. He says, who of their own power could say your sins are forgiven? Mm. Which person could honestly make happen by their words, this is my body given for you? And yet that's, especially, that's essentially what the apostles do. Mm-hmm. They give what they don't have. And it's only out of their nothingness that the grace of God works for them. And he says, that's what we call a sacrament in the life of the church. In our nothingness, that's precisely the place God works. And I, ever since I've read that, that's an anthropological statement. That's saying this is who we are as a human being, that there's actually this space of em- not emptiness, but like uh, imp- uh, impotence. Yeah. That that's where God actually wants to work and to bring to life something new that we can't create ourselves. It's, it's cre- creatio ex nihilo, right? Mm-hmm. It's this idea that God creates out of nothing something amazing and beautiful through the sacraments. And that, that God, like, that's speaking specifically to the, the priestly life, but more fundamentally, the apostles have that, but if they have that, and that's where sacrament comes in and through holy orders, that means that's a space that every human being has, hmm. right? So if that's the case, so there's that, and then there's this whole idea of time. Like he has this, he has this great article in Communio about Jesus Christ yesterday, today, and forever. He kind of goes after Luther's historicism, right? And he goes, no, no, Jesus Christ is always yesterday, today, and tomorrow, all at once. And if we can understand that idea of time as a human person, that that. That means the past is always able to act presently towards a future. That's how sacrament works in the life of the church, and this is what it means to be human. So, if we, that really forms how we act as human beings, we we live as kind of like this linear sense of time, mm-hmm. which doesn't quite work. Um, he's saying, no, no, actually, to be human means to understand this more eternal sense of mm-hmm. yesterday, today, and forever. That brings us back. Maybe this yeah. this is nice that we're coming to this in the end because it brings yeah. it back in some ways to where we started this yeah. this deep embodiedness. Yeah. Right. That if Christ is He who was yesterday, today, forever, the depth of responsibility in the incarnation is total. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like, um, God takes responsibility for the fullness of humanity in Christ in the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is for Christians what we receive as our gift and our charge, right? Mm-hmm. Like the gift of that, the integrity of our humanity, but mm-hmm. also the the charge, the responsibility to be fully responsible yeah. for our humanity and to bring this, you know, back to where we began. <laughs> yeah. That therefore also means in digital space, right? exactly. to be responsible for ourselves. Yeah. And I, I'd say like just that, that was that was what was starting to go through my head yesterday. And yeah. I'm like, okay, Uh-oh. this is actually really interesting. <laughs> and this will be really interesting to see how can we tie this all together? Because I think there is a deep connection between the incarnation and how we act in, in digital space. And it's always fun to do a first draft in a public panel. Right? Exactly, exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's a first time doing that. And it's That's like, hey, right. let's, let's have some fun. Let's see where this goes. That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for spending this thanks time with us. Yeah. Uh, where can folks find Clerically Speaking? Any of your favorite podcast uh, services. We have a Twitter account at ClericalPod. You can find me at Father Harrison on, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we're on Facebook, everything. So Clerically yeah. Speaking is found on all those. So anybody can find it unless they're one of your parishioners. Who, exactly. <laughs> who don't <laughs> have computers. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Father Harrison. Thank and thanks you. to all of you out there for joining us on Church Life Today. Does debt have you down? 
Are you worried about your credit cards, your mortgage, or keeping your car? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union can help. Our people are trained to be financial physicians. They can give you a checkup, help you to heal, and then stay healthy. Don't be embarrassed, it's why we exist. When your body is sick, you go to see a doctor. When your finances are sick, you go to see the friendly folks at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits?